Welcome back to Trending in Education. Mike Palmer here uh, hosting today. Uh, my partner in crime, Dan Strafford, is on assignment. And uh, we're over the moon excited to have uh, a special guest today. We have uh, Eric Qualman, also known as Equal Man, as a guest on our show today. Welcome to the show, Eric. Thanks, Mike. It's great to be here. Yeah, and uh, just for folks who may not know uh, Eric, uh, again, also known as Equal Man, uh, and we'll get into that in a little, uh, in a little bit. Uh, Eric is a world-renowned author, thought leader, and media personality. He's written numerous books, including Socialnomics, Digital Leadership, and What Happens in Vegas Stays on YouTube. Eric's a motivational speaker, a best-selling author, and a master of disruptive storytelling. He's also the host of the Super You podcast, and we're delighted to have him as a guest. Uh, so, uh, Eric, that's quite an introduction. Um, how do you describe uh, yourself? And if you wanted to introduce yourself to uh, the listeners to Trending in Education, how would you describe who you are and uh, what you do? No, it's an honor to be here, and I'll get into that, but I, I also would be remiss if I didn't mention my affinity and love for Kaplan. Every time I think of Kaplan, I think of the only speeding ticket that I've ever received in my life. And so that's pretty cool in itself. I've only got one speeding ticket, so knock on wood. Yeah. But I remember as I was coming back, I was living outside of Detroit at the time, studying for the GMAT, and I had gone the weekend in Chicago. So I had to speed back, I think it was a Sunday morning class, to make sure I made it uh, there on time. So I got that ticket. But the affinity I have is wonderful because it helps me prepare for the GMAT, do well in the GMAT, and then eventually go to McCombs School of Business at the University of Texas. Uh, and then now I've actually moved back to Austin and, and some of my best friends, my top friends are actually from the folks that I met at McCombs. And so it's great to see them every day now that I'm living back in Austin. So I want to give you a big thanks. I'd be remiss if I didn't do that. Uh, but how I described our team is really we're edutainers. And so we're trying to entertain, educate, and empower people to their best life. And we do that through different mediums. Obviously, a lot of it's on me on stage, speaking mm -hmm. on stage. There's books. And then also we're using new mediums, like a, not necessarily new, but like podcasts through Super You. And mm -hmm. so anything that we can do to touch people's lives and edutain them uh, is what we're trying to do. Again, entertain, educate, and empower them to their best life. Yeah, and uh, uh, you know, uh, thanks for the, the 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 unsolicited recommendation uh, of Kaplan, uh, which which uh, we do really appreciate. Although we don't uh, we don't endorse speeding, and uh, we just wanted to put, get that out there <laughs> on the record. Uh, and uh, yeah, it's really uh, you know we were talking a little bit while we were uh, uh, getting ready for this show. Uh, in a lot of ways, what what Kaplan tries to do in terms of helping people uh, become their best selves is a lot of what, uh, what you seem to be doing, uh, whether it's your, your keynotes or your podcast. Um, can you talk about that? Like how, um, in, you know, the, maybe the, the learning side of edutainment, uh, you know, like how, how are you um, trying to make an impact on, on people's lives? So what we're just trying to do is we're trying to unlock and unleash the inner superpower in all of us. And whether that's you're 18 or whether you're 80, is we're just trying to look at, we know you have that power within you. And so we're just trying to kind of figure out how do we get in there and help you unlock it? Cause it's really up to you to unlock it. Mm -hmm. um, but if we're in front of say some college students and we have the book, what happens on campus stays on YouTube. 
it's really allowing them through a lens of entertainment because that's how you get them to listen. You mm-hmm. want to entertain first, and that applies to you and me as well. If we're going to go through education, you want it to be as entertaining as possible. Yeah. So we want to entertain them, and then that opens up their mind to the education, which then leads to empowerment. So whatever that is we're trying to address that day, for example, it might be these students are going to be on social. And so we want to say, we're not going to come in and say, don't be on social because it's going to tune you out or don't do this, don't do that. Right. We'd always start with, here's how you produce your best digital self. Here's how you produce your best personal brand online. And then here's how you protect it. Um, and so that's just an example of how we do it. And since at Equal Man Studios, we own an animation studio. A lot of what we do is video storytelling. So it might be an example that it's followed up with a video example. Mm-hmm. Or it might be a story that's followed up by a video. And so we found that to be helpful, again, not only for 18-year-olds, but also uh, for baby boomers or Gen Xers. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, as, a, as a proud member of Gen X, uh, you know, I got to say thanks. Thanks for remembering us because uh, we're, not, we're not always included in the generations <laughs> that, uh, that people talk about. And lifelong learning <laughs> is something, um, you know, we definitely feel, feel strongly about uh, on this show. Um, I did want to get in a little bit to uh, Equal Man, and uh, I, you know, I got to say, when I was prepping for the show, I uh, I was talking to my wife, and I was like, "Oh, you know, this guy Eric Qualman, um, you know, if you acronymize that, it's E Qualman, and that's Equal Man." And then I dug just a little bit further, and I realized you've sort of laid claim to that name, and in some ways, uh, you know, I started thinking there must have been a time when you were a kid where you realized if I take my first initial and my last name, I get equal man. And that's probably right around the time you were maybe getting into superheroes. And then it's interesting that you talk about, uh, you know, unlocking your inner superhero for people who engage with you. Uh, and, uh, and then you're also known for your green, uh, Clark Kent, uh, glasses. So, um, that's a lot. I put a lot out there right there, but, uh, but can, can you expand on that story? Because it's got to be, uh, you know, in some ways you were destined to be thinking about superheroes, uh, you know, based on, based on, you know, your name. And, uh, and it seems like, you know, you talk about like stepping into your inner superhero. Um, it seems like that's something, uh, you know, you're really setting an example by doing that. No, I mean, this is just one of those things where the old mantra is things happen for you not to you. And I didn't really see it for over a decade in terms of the first time I realized this, if you'll believe it, is really when I got my first email address. That's the only time it dawned on me that I had this moniker. And to be honest, I didn't like it for the first 10 to 15 years of my life, because if you're an intern at a company or you're low on the totem pole, you walk into any meeting, this was happening to me all the time, is it walk into a meeting and go, oh, that's great. That thing we're wrestling with, just give it to Equal Man because he can do it. He's such a superhero. Oh, you need coffee? He must be super fast. Have him go get the coffee. Uh, and so there's good-natured ribbing, but after a while, you're just like, oh, gosh. But then all of a sudden, I finally stepped into my story, and that's what we try to help people with is really how to live it. Step into your story, which at first is actually uncomfortable to step into your own story, but long-term, that's the greatest place to live. Mm-hmm. is to step into your own story, step through that discomfort and then live in your own story and step into being that inner superpower. So 
Um, the name of actually eludes me because you mentioned it and you're 100% correct. There's actually studies that show based on your name, it actually leads to fulfillment of that name more often than not. Uh, mm -hmm. So if you're named XYZ, you're more likely to be in this type of vocation. Mm -hmm. And so it is funny that, that now I'm fully stepped into it. And we talk about this a lot on stage and in the book. Um, but the story behind it to really that pushed me into it, because it's not like, okay, today I'm going to do it. Mm -hmm. Things happen for you, not to you, is I was doing a magazine interview around one of the books. The books was selling well. And so they, I sat down to do this interview with this magazine. And they said, hey, for the cover, we want to take a picture, but we want to have some fun with it. Since you kind of have this email moniker that sounds like a superhero, equal man, mm. we'd love if you wore some Clark Kent glasses. Sure. I go, yeah, that sounds fine. Let's do it. And they go, St. Patrick's Day is coming up. Do you mind if they're green? And I go, no, that's, let's go all in. That sounds fun. Then they bring them out. I go, whoa, those are pretty bright green. Uh, take a picture. Don't think much of it. And then I fly to Kenya to give a talk. A couple of weeks later, I fly to Kenya to give a talk. Hmm. And so I land in Kenya. I get picked up. We're driving. I'm going to a rescue shelter the day before I'm speaking. And I'm going to adopt a baby cheetah. Not hmm. to take home with me. My wife would kill me, but just support the local area. Yeah. And uh, on the not, way not, over. Yeah, not to mention the TSA yeah, is tough. When you, when you try to bring those uh, adopted cheetahs home, they, they give you all kinds of grief. <laughs> no, they do. That's a whole other story. The people that are wonderful at the shelter, it's kind yeah. of sad because at a certain point, they like literally have leopards there that'll, if you call Kita, they'll turn their heads. Mm. Um, at some point, the people that, that raise the animals, uh, these are rescue animals. Yeah. is that they have to realize at this point I can no longer go in the cage uh, with that animal. But anyways, we go, I'm driving over to the rescue shelter and the lady goes, okay, we had Usain Bolt, the Olympian here uh, yesterday. He adopted from the same cheetah litter that you're going to adopt from. Mm. We took some video yesterday. We'd love to take some video today and put it together to help raise more money and awareness for our rescue shelter. I go, that's wonderful. Yeah, let's do it. And then she goes, but obviously when we're filming and taking photos, we want you to have your green glasses on. And I looked at her, I go, Oh gosh, I don't wear green glasses all the time. I look like an idiot walking around with green glasses all the time. And uh, the look at her face before she explained to me, told me the story that everyone in Kenya, that's how they thought I looked. Right. Um, and so I didn't want to see that look of disappointment, but what it did, it really pushed me into just embracing it. And so now if you see me, I'm wearing these green glasses uh, and it's really helped us get the word out. Um, and it's not all roses because in terms of getting booked to speak, sometimes, especially early on, we wouldn't get booked to speak because I go, is this guy serious enough with these green glasses? But right. you've got to live on the edges. And so it's actually led to more business. Um, and it's just been a wonderful ride. So it's just, again, something that happened for me. And then finally, I woke up and finally just embraced it and stepped into it. Yeah, you know, that's amazing. It, it kind of reminds me of the whole uh, improv idea of, say, you know, yes, and, you know, like taking what's offered to you and figuring out how to make the most of it, uh, you know, is always a, you know, a, a good way of sort of being open to what the world might uh, present to you. Um, I also like, honestly, that your, uh, your superpower is almost unlocked by looking like Clark Kent. So like, it's, uh, it's kind of a, uh, surprising uh in some interesting ways there uh there as well um so uh, and then one thing that's been funny too is we didn't expect it is that it's taught me to walk in discomfort because mm. if you're wearing 
bright green glasses all the time, it actually teaches you to watch in discomfort, which is one of our key messages is that if you're going to pioneer, you're going to get pushback. Mm-hmm. So it can be frustrating in the moment, but that pushback, that's a signal that you're pioneering. And it's really, you've got to wake up every day. And sometimes the audience, they'll buy glasses for the entire audience. I say, look, these might probably wind up in your glove box or kids love them. Give them to your kids. But my hope is that when you see them or if you see just anything green, it's going to remind you just for if it's five minutes or 10 minutes a day to step into that discomfort, whatever that discomfort is for you, just to kind of step into that discomfort. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it's, it's, uh, it is inspiring. You're a motivational speaker. So that, that is very motivating. And, uh, and it's, it's really, you know, um, I would recommend uh, to folks to, uh, look up Equal Man, uh, look up Eric Qualman, and um, what you're hearing now is very reflective of what you're going to get uh, when you're, you're really experiencing any of the media or uh, outputs that, uh, that Eric's put together. Um, I, I also know that you talk about the influence of, uh, of Tom Izzo, uh, the head coach of uh, Michigan State, in addition to obviously the influence of Kaplan. Uh, but, uh, but uh, you know, uh, I thought that was an interesting angle because I did a little bit of research and I saw that uh, you played, but not not a lot. And uh, it seems like you got a ton out of the exposure you had uh, to uh, to Coach Izzo as a, as an influencer in your life. And I'm wondering if there's any uh, stories or recommendations or insights you could share with our listeners about about those experiences. Yeah, I mean, coaches, uh, so my story is I was a water boy. So I love basketball my whole life. I actually, my first entrepreneurial move was to do an eighth grade uh, basketball magazine to write it, photocopy it, and then try to get sponsors. I think the only sponsor I got was my my father was at Buick Advertising at the time. I think he put a Buick ad in there uh, just to help placate me. But um, so I love basketball. Um, And then I got to Michigan State and I was really the water boy. At Michigan State, I wasn't recruited by anybody. I just wanted to be around the team. And then eventually, occasionally, there'd be times when a player would be sick or someone would be hurt. And then this happened once or twice a year. I'd get in to practice. And so all of a sudden, I got this itch to where, you know, if I put in the time, as crazy as it might sound, I think I can try to walk on this team. And so eventually, I was able to do that. And this is another twist of fate. Again, things happen for you, not to you is I was in practice. I got thrown in water boy. I'm like, here's my chance to prove myself. I'm doing amazingly well. And all of a sudden I take just a random elbow, just hit right at the right spot. And so it knocked out three of my bottom teeth. Um, But, but what I did was I kept playing. Mm. I thought that I had a false tooth in there because I was born with a tooth missing. So I thought it was just the fake teeth. I kind of put them on the side and then I kept playing. And then the trainer comes over at a break and goes, Hey, I, Whoa. Yeah. This is an issue. Let's get you to the dentist. Mm. And the next day Izzo goes, Qualman, I don't know if you're the toughest guy I know or the dumbest guy I know, but I think it's the dumbest guy I know. Um, but then I realized that to walk on the team, that's what he loved, like that grit and the grind. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that that, even though at the time I thought that hurt my chances, it actually helped my chances for then the next year I was able to walk on the team and then eventually get a scholarship. Uh, so it's amazing. Coach Izzo is awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, just to show my playing prowess, cause it's a funny story when, when coach Izzo is very excitable. And so we do one on a last second shot Izzo runs in the locker room. He's super pumped up. He's like, 
Resford, you're amazing on offense tonight. And he jumps to the next locker. He says, Snow, your defense off the bench really helped us win. And then he jumps to the next locker, which is mine. I hadn't played. Right. And he looks at me, and he just stutters for a half second. And then he goes, Quammen, you didn't play tonight. That helped us out a ton. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. But if you look at Coach Izzo, his thing, and they've got it painted on the wall up there now, is good players play, tough players win. Mm. Yeah. Meaning that most players, there's a handful on campus that can probably play. Yeah. But it's really the tough ones that are going to make it through. And the tough players, it's not going to be a five-star recruit. It's a recruit that's going to grind it out. And I think yeah. that's true of life. And so that's why we're able to apply it to life moving forward. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. Uh, you know, a little, uh, little get after itness. you know, a little uh, ready to get, you know, loose ball. You know, ball's on the floor. somebody got to got to go after it That in a way that is talent, right? Uh, so, um, so, yeah. So, and, uh, you know, while we're talking through your bio, um, you know, you were also voted the second most likable author to uh, J.K. Rowling's. Uh, first of all, first of all, congratulations. Uh, but secondly, uh, you know, is that is that bulletin board material for you? Like, uh, are you gunning for that number one spot? And uh, you know, how uh, how do you come across as likable? What do you think about uh, what that means uh, really to you and uh, to who you are and how you're trying to express yourself? Uh, you know, as a brand. I mean, one of the distant second, it's a chasm when you think about it. I think my mom even voted for J.K. Rowling, to be honest. She's such a huge Harry Potter fan, and I think we all are. Right. Um, ironically enough, when the series got over, it inspired me because I just go, man, there's so many kids that were reading this series uh, that I've penned uh, a young adult fiction book, which we will not launch for a year and a half. So it might be interesting for the listening audience to understand mm-hmm. that sometimes that's the amount of planning that you put into these things that the book's been done for basically a year and a half, but we won't launch it for another year and a half or two because we have another business book that's going to come out before it. So we don't mm-hmm. want to confuse the market and it might not even be under my name. So we've got a lot of things we can figure out, but it's just, just for the audience, I thought it'd be interesting for them to know. And there's a book sitting there basically collecting dust, but that's how you plan these things out right. uh, a couple of years in advance. Uh, in terms of likability, oh man, it's just, my hope is that when you look at success, you know, the definition of success varies for everybody, but it's really just in my mind, how many people, cause it's such a pain as you get older too. So like, who's going to take a break in their currently over busy schedule to actually go to your funeral, mm. um, which hopefully is more of a life celebration. Mm. But really in my mind, that's the success. Cause that means you touch that person's life enough Mm-hmm. Uh, that they're willing to come. And then also just well beyond your funeral is that you touched, hopefully, flit a seat in somebody somehow uh, that, that they're there, they're going to take that and move it out. And that's why we always talk about revenue at our company. We call it water. The mm-hmm. more water we can get, the more we can kind of take that water and then disseminate it to who needs it the most. Yeah. Um, so I think that that's, that's the ultimate goal, I think, for most of us. Yeah. Yeah. And you talk a lot about, you know, leaving a legacy. And, um, and actually, while we're talking about that, that kind of makes me think of the other uh, concepts that you talk around, talk about around managing your digital presence, uh, you know, in a world where social media is everywhere, media is everywhere. Um, there's these ideas of your, your social footprint, uh, and your, uh, you know, or your digital footprint and your digital legacy. All right, sorry, digital shadow. I'll get it right. Um, 
can you talk a little bit about those concepts and maybe think about it from an educational context? You know, like how should people, you know, maybe young people entering the workforce, uh, you know, going through college, trying to figure out how to chart their course in life, um, how should they think about uh, their digital presence and, 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 you know, the concept of a footprint versus a shadow and uh, leaving a legacy? Because I found that uh, insightful and I think our listeners would probably get some value out of hearing your perspective there. Yeah, I think when you think about, so the term legacy is quickly morphing. So when I was writing the book, that's what I was exactly thinking of is, okay, all of us have a legacy. What is that legacy going to be? And then when you look at the digital twist to that, some of the terms you'll hear more often than not is now that's personal branding. Uh, when you think about marketing, PR, or your legacy is really personal branding, which has a kind of a negative connotation, but it's just really about trying to embrace that. And as we dug further into it, we realized that everyone has a digital stamp, um, which is very powerful because that digital stamp is something that can influence someone five seconds from now, as well as five weeks, five years, 50 years, 5,000 years from today, mm -hmm. since all this stuff, not in pencil, it's in digital ink. And so we dug into the digital stamp. There's two main components of it. It's your digital footprint. And that, if you're a student or a professional, or whoever, whomever, is you have control over that. So it's really taking as much control over that as possible. That's your footprint. And then the other piece of the digital stamp is your digital shadow. And that's what other people post about you online, which weighted is that's weighted heavier because it's someone else that's actually giving you that. So when you think about that, it's those form your digital stamp. 92% of kids under the age of two have a digital stamp today. 25% of the babies that will be born tomorrow, 25% of the babies born tomorrow have a digital stamp already today because parents, they get excited. They post sonograms and they post names online. And so really we all have one. Mm -hmm. So it comes down to producing our best and then also protecting it. But the thing that gets me most excited about it, whether I'm talking to a big brand, which they're trying to produce their stamp or the individuals on that team for that brand, or if you're thinking about higher education mm -hmm. is talking to students or faculty is that stamp can impact someone five seconds from now, like negatively or positively. And so it can negatively impact you or negatively impact somebody else, depending on what you're doing, or it can positively influence someone. And so it's really about taking that to heart. And so an example of what that would look like where it's positively influenced somebody is if you look at Anthony Robles, a lot of your listeners right remember the name. He won the NCAA title for wrestling, even though he was born with a leg missing. Mm -hmm. um, and so it's just an amazing story. And so before these digital stamps existed, maybe he went to Arizona State University, maybe it impacts that community down there in Tempe. Mm -hmm. But because of these digital stamps, the beautiful thing is now that word of mouth goes world of mouth. And now it can have such a greater impact on so many people across the globe mm -hmm. because of these digital stamps. And so that's what I mean by within five seconds, you can dramatically impact someone and then you can impact them five years, 50 years, 500 years, because the story is there forever. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, um, you know, it is, it's also interesting to think about that from, uh, uh, an educational uh, perspective too. Like, how do you how do you teach people? How do you provide uh, edutainment or uh, content to young folks that actually reaches them so that they think uh, smartly 
about uh, the impact that they can make and uh, and how that impact can in fact be be positive, uh, particularly if they're thoughtful about how they manage their digital presence. Because like it does seem like um, you know there's an element of advocacy that I'm hearing from you on this too, where like you know there's some risk in this space, but uh, but there's some uh, ways of thinking, some mindsets, and probably some tactics that people can take to to really sort of take control of those things. And, uh, you know, again, as a learning podcast, we always try to think about how, uh, how teachable and how learnable different things are. Um, a lot of what I'm getting from you is like, you know, you're putting yourself out there because you think people can get better and they can uh, learn how to handle these things uh, in smarter ways. And uh, I really appreciate how you're able to, um, you know, use yourself as a uh, as the the main the, the the protagonist in the stories that you're telling, um, and then try to make an impact on, on on other people's lives. Can you talk a little bit about that? Just like how, um, you know, what you're doing. Um, you know, it's it is edutainment, but it is also, um, you know, there. It does seem like there's a mission behind uh, what you're trying to accomplish. Um, can you talk a little bit about that? Like, what what do you want? You know, how are you trying to make the world a better place through through the work that you're doing? No, no, thank you. It's a uh, it's a blessing we get to do this each and every day, um, and I'll unpack that with the starting with. So we wrote a book called What Happens on Vegas Stays on YouTube. When I wrote Social Nomics, I said if you want to write a book, if you want an idea for a book, the old adage is you write a book because when you're writing that book, you realize, oh, I got to unpack this a little further, hmm. and I realized that through the course of that, I go, wait, people, it's a massive shift in society that people aren't really grasping that word of mouth is now world of mouth, meaning that privacy is dead. Mm -hmm. And so each morning I'd wake up and whether it was a business or an individual was ruining, it could be a teacher in Boston. I remember that she'd said something not so nice about the community, the moms, and it was posted online and she's fired the next day. Mm -hmm. And so there's, I started to see story after story of this. And I saw, oh my gosh, people aren't grasping the concept that privacy is dead. And so that led me to write the adult version, what happens in Vegas stays on YouTube, mm -hmm. uh, primarily targeted towards adults. And then so many middle schools, high schools, and primarily colleges started to pick it up. But then they reached out to me, can you write this specific for the students? And I go, yeah, that'd be awesome. And so we connected with ACPA and had some four folks that are really good at higher education. And then we coordinated to write the campus version, which really layered in all student examples, as well as we touched on cyberbullying and sexual harassment. Mm -hmm. But long story longer is that that's the whole goal. That's just one subset of what we're trying to do. Again, we're trying to entertain, educate, and empower people to their best life. Mm -hmm. And so it's, what that means is that if we go away tomorrow, that's what I always want to ask our team is we've got to make sure that what's the loss in society if we go away, because otherwise we're not doing anything for good if, we're, if there's no loss, if no one feels it. And so we always say, well, that means that people won't be able to live their best life. They might be living a false life or they haven't stepped into their story. Mm -hmm. But at the far extreme, especially at the high school and the college level, because of a book like What Happens on Campus stays on YouTube, is that someone might actually take their life. I know we're seeing that female suicide rates are up 68%. Yeah. It's not a direct correlation, but the major shift has been social. Mm -hmm. And so we just produced a video. The reason I know that stat, we just did a video called Screenagers. Mm -hmm. um, it's just a 90 second clip about all these statistics around 
social and yeah. basically teens and college students. But that's what we live and breathe every day is that if we get up and the days can be hard, but if we don't do what we do, it could result in so many that are not living their best life, which you could argue then they're, they're slowly dying right? or they could lead to an actual suicide. So that's what we're trying to help as much as we can in some small way. Yeah. Yeah. It definitely comes through, you know, and it's, uh, you know, uh, it's really a credit to you that you're, you're doing what you love and you're trying to make an impact uh, to folks. And uh, a lot of people who gravitate to learning and education really have those, um, those motives behind, uh, behind their life and their careers and, and what they're able to do. Um, I, I also like that, uh, you know, as, uh, as I mentioned, I was kind of binging on your YouTube uh, videos uh, as prep for uh, for the show, and they're they're great. Uh, they're um, you know some interviews, but a lot of them are really curated, uh, like highlights of uh, thought leaders like Mark Cuban and Reed Hoffman and uh, Mel Robbins were a few that I saw. Um, what do you think about the you know uh, also uh, you know full disclosure we love the idea of edutainment here. This show was almost called That's Edutainment, uh, but instead we let. Oh, that's great! I love that. Yeah, so maybe maybe we could talk later about developing that show, but um, but uh, how do you th what do you think about the the notion of uh, curation? Because in a world where there's so much noise, so much data, so many inputs, we can be, we're bombarded with all the time. Um, it seems like you you're kind of stepping into your role and your story as a as a curator. I did find that to be a, a very um, useful uh, way to kind of get like a uh, a very short form. Uh, insights from the these big minds and 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 big ideas um what are your thoughts around curation and how it relates to uh to learning i'm a huge fan as you know of curation part of that is the result of some of my talks around what's the future what's next and i always say well you can't predict who's going to be the winner you can't predict it's going to be facebook but you can predict the trend mm. you can predict going back and so part of that when you're quote unquote, looking at the future, the best predictor of the future is often the past. Mm -hmm. And so when you think about that, if you look at it's the same movie, different actors. So if you go back to search engines, 25, 30, 30 years ago, is you had Excite, you had Lycos, you had Ask Jeeves, you had Yahoo, you had Google. You had no idea. You could not predict who the winner would be. But what you could predict is that that trend's not going away, that search is here to stay in mm -hmm. some form or fashion. And so by doing that, I think that just gave me great exposure to understand. And we constantly work out of libraries just to look around at all the books. There's so much knowledge around mm -hmm. that it's like, don't try to reinvent the wheel. Mm -hmm. Try to look what's been said in the past, learn from the past, and then just put the lens of today's modern era on it. So mm -hmm. what shifted a little bit, you just tweak it accordingly. So um, exactly that, not to go down a rat hole here, but um, when I was volunteering my time at edX.org, which a lot of your listeners probably know what that is, it's the initiative uh, for online learning uh, classes. But what we saw too is just, you know, that's flipping the classroom when you think about that. It's, that's sort of a form of curation. If you have the Nobel laureate speaking on XYZ and physics, that maybe that's what you watch. And then obviously then you do your homework as peers together, or, or it's at least a part of the curriculum that you watch that piece. Mm -hmm. And so you could argue that's a form of curation. So, uh, curation. so huge fan of it, uh, repurpose, repurpose, and then also just modify accordingly.
Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, as you're talking about, uh, you know, trend spotting, uh, you know, we try to stay tuned into the zeitgeist. I try to say zeitgeist or zeitgeisty every show. So uh, mission accomplished. Um, <laughs> as someone who's out there in the world and, you know, you're at conferences, you're, you're traveling, uh, you know, you're talking about your visit uh, to, to Africa and, uh, you know, trying to curate and sense where the world is going. Are there any uh, emerging trends in learning and education that are uh, capturing your imagination these days? You know, I'm a huge fan of balance, uh, offline, online. I think that's what you're starting to see is the realization it's not an and or thing. So if you're in Africa, they go, we can't learn because we don't have the, the iPads. And then if you're in a fluent Orange County, they're going, we're giving the iPads too much to the kids. Mm-hmm. And so I always like the analogy of it's really the technology is a scalpel. So if you think about a scalpel, it can save someone's life in surgery. So it's great. But also if it's used improperly, it can also take someone's life as a knife. Mm-hmm. And so it's really just understanding that it's not the technology itself that's good or bad. It's how we use it. And that's what I'm starting to see across when I work with superintendents in, in various formats. It's really just that blended learning model. And that includes both online and offline being in person. So it's, mm-hmm. it's always that balance. And again, you can look outside of industries because it's the same movie, different different actors. If you're at a company, it's like, what's the right balance between work at home and work in person? And a lot of times it falls, oh, it's three and two. Right. Uh, we need three in and two out. So yeah. a lot of these concepts are actually the same being wrestled with. And that's what I'm really fortunate to be able to be in the position I am because I go to all these different industries and what you start to see is a recurring thread, a recurring theme that's 90% the same. Yeah. And then each industry has its own 10% difference. Right. Right, right. Yeah, we talk about that too, where like, you know, if you, there's a tendency these days to go deep in an expertise and uh, not really think laterally and not be scanning across industries. And, uh, and it, you know, by, by the nature of being a, you know, a keynote speaker, going to conferences, trying to, you know, engage uh, really varied industries out there, I imagine you see, you, you see connections that people who are going deep within an individual industry uh, may not be aware of, uh, and it's usually a recommendation that we make too, is that even if you are deeply specialized in in these emerging uh, relevant domains, frequently where you really add an edge and you start to differentiate yourself is by, you know, playing with your head up and sort of scanning the broader world to see, you know, is this happening anywhere else or is this really just unique to my little corner of the world? That no, it's a- well said, and you think about education, it's a team sport. I mean, I went through this. I've got daughters in elementary school and it requires, you've got the community, you've got the parents, you've got the teachers, you've got the administration. Uh, and just little things make a huge difference to where they have a school store and it was generally run by the parents being there with the kids. Uh, but then also a parent suggested, you know, why don't the kids just run the store? Teach them about entrepreneurship, teach them about money. Sure, there's going to be instances, but maybe the cash register didn't equal up and then they can learn that lesson that there's consequences. And mm-hmm. so um, I think it's education is just so amazing to me. And I love to see just the path that it's starting to hyper accelerate uh, the forms it's taking. So I think it's going to, it's the most important thing. It's always been the most important thing mm-hmm. uh, globally for everything that we want to do. And so just to see how do we properly layer in that technology uh, with the human component, never can replace face to face. It's always that combination of the Flintstones and the Jetsons when you think about it, that combination of the Flintstones and the Jetsons coming together. 
you're, 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 hitting, you're hitting very, very close to home. You talked about edutainment, and then you talked about the Jetsons and the Flintstones. I mean, clearly, <laughs> whoever booked you, uh, nice job. So, uh, so good, job, good job by Dan, because these are – I always talk about the, the, the Jetsons really did capture my imagination as a kid. And, uh, and it's kind of fascinating how in some ways we got there, but in some ways, you know, they were wildly off. Uh, but it's always – I think it's always useful to try to imagine where the world's going to go. And uh, frequently, if, even if you're wrong, just putting a very specific idea of where things may go um, kind of opens up your thinking. It's, it almost reminds me of, you know, in sports, the power of visualization. Like when you start anticipating more and making some predictions, uh, it just it makes you a little more present and engaged in the emerging world that we're all, we're all living in. Um, so... Um, I don't know if you have any uh, like parting thoughts uh, for our listeners. Uh, also, I think uh, you likely uh, whetted people's appetites with uh, with this conversation. So, uh, would also love to to get some recommendations from you if folks wanted to understand more about you. Uh, you know, maybe follow you, uh, learn more about the stuff that that you're putting out there. So, any parting thoughts and any ideas on uh, how folks can uh, learn more about about you, Eric, and about uh, what you what you have going on in the world? No, I just want to say a huge thanks for having me on the show, Mike, and then also just a huge thanks to your listeners because without realizing it, I've touched on education somewhat in my career. I was at EF Education, um, and then also working with edX.org, and so it's just been a, a wonderful ride. So being able to be exposed to so many educators is just they do it for the love of it. Mm-hmm. And so I just want to thank your listeners first and foremost. And if they ever, if I can be of help, I'm easy to find across all formats. I'm just equal man. Mm-hmm. So whatever your favorite format or way to digest items are. Um, and then don't hesitate to reach out to us if there's something that you think we should be executing on or producing because we're happy to do that. We love taking in, in feedback. So anything we can do to help, uh, we are here. Excellent. Uh, thanks so much, uh, Eric uh, Qualman, uh, also known as Equal Man, uh, for uh, joining us on Trending in Education uh, this week. For those of you who, uh, who liked what you heard, uh, you can follow us on Twitter at Trending in Ed. Uh, listen to us anywhere uh, you listen to podcasts. And, uh, and we'll be back again soon. So thanks again for listening.